is Camilla, and you're listening to the Cat's Whisker, a time machine for all those who love rock and roll and want to know everything about it. People, stories, and the music that changed the world. In a few words, it doesn't matter whether you've lived through those years or, just like me, you've always wondered what it was like. I have loads of stories to tell and great music to play. So, let's roll! Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cat's Whisker. I'm Camilla and today I'm by myself. <laughs> I hope you're not disappointed after last week's crazy and special episode with Liam, my boyfriend. If you missed it, you have to make sure you check it out. We've listened to many old songs with very, very explicit lyrics and reviewed them. It's been so much fun. Today I would like to welcome you to the I'd say temporary title, but who knows? You let me know if you like it. Before It Was Cool, which is the title I've decided to give to all those episodes that talk about people that had a rock and roll soul even before rock and roll appeared on a world stage. So, I was writing an episode about the Andrews sisters that you will surely hear in the future when I started to go on a tangent, as I usually do, because why not? But since the tangent was starting to take more room than the Andrew sisters biography, I decided to dedicate an episode to this interesting movement called the Swing Kids or Swing Jugend. Yes, because as you can imagine from their official title, the group originated in Germany. Or well, Nazi Germany. But who were the Swing Kids? First of all, just like the name suggests, they aim to be the opposite of the Hitler Jugend, Hitler Youth in English, which was a youth group organized by the Nazi party where all the pure German Aryan boys had to belong to serve their country well. Born as a mockery of this strict group, the Swing Kids didn't have any gender separation and were all about music. They were pure counterculture, groups of young men and women that loved the forbidden British and American culture and music. They would secretly gather to listen and dance to jazz and swing records and dream of a place where they could be free to be themselves. No more strict uniforms, but more individualism. They were dancing and listening to swing because they truly believed in cultural freedom. And I discovered their story thanks to the Andrews sisters' debut single, Bay Mir Stuchen, one of the songs that the Swing Kids certainly listened to, and that interestingly enough, even Hitler listened to, well, until the Nazi party discovered it wasn't really a title in an obscure southern German dialect, but drum roll please once again. The song was written in Yiddish, the language of the Ashkenazi Jews that originated in the West Germanic area of Europe. Haha, <laughs> in your face Hitler! The Swing Kids movement was born in Hamburg, city that in a couple of decades will become essential for rock and roll in the European scene. I mean, Hamburg is the home of the Indra, the Kaiser Keller, the Star Club and the Top 10, all clubs where the Beatles would start their career alongside many other musicians just 20 years later. So, quite an interesting place to be, especially because, just like Liverpool in a way, port cities are always a crossroad for different cultures to meet. 
the movement then spread in other big cities such as Stuttgart, Kiel, Dresden and Berlin. The Swing Kids weren't obviously the only rebel group in Germany, but they were the fanciest indeed. As part of the upper middle class, they were children of people that had probably traveled to England or America and were rich enough to get themselves a gramophone and buy illegal jazz records and stylish clothes. The Swing Jugend was essentially a lifestyle and had no political connotation. To use the words of a former swing kid, we didn't hate the Nazis, the Nazis hated us. Well, they didn't explicitly protest against the Nazi in a political way, but it's fair to say that they didn't really like the strict rules of the regime that wanted everyone to think and act like Germans, which was also one of the mottos of the Hitler Jugend. They took all of what the government was promoting in terms of society and culture and decided to become anything but that. Because it might have started from music, but it became so much more. They wanted to look different and everyone had to know it. If the ideal appearance of a perfect German young person would have had to be austere, with very somber colored clothes, clean shaven and military style hair for boys and plain appearance for the girls, the swing kids would smoke pipes, they would let their hair grow long and decorate their trench coats with Union Jack pins and wear hats alongside English checkered sport jackets. The girls would use a lot of makeup, have their hair down, put nail varnish on, wear short coat dresses, sunglasses and even trousers. Essentially, they were mods before it was cool. Another detail that the German police noted as a way to spot them actually makes me giggle a little bit. I think probably as an homage to the well-known English weather, which to be fair, um, I totally understand because I am recording right now and it's absolutely miserable. The swing kids would wear an umbrella on the arm, whatever the weather. But let's go back to the beginning. Jazz and swing arrived to Germany quite late. It was after the First World War, during the Weimar Republic. The first act to bring jazz to European airways and Germany in particular was Benny Goodman and his orchestra, between the first integrated bands in history. And one of the members is actually someone that we already know, guitarist Charlie Christian. Remember him from the history of electric guitar? Benny Goodman, though, was well, obviously the band leader of Benny Goodman and his orchestra and was a Jewish-American clarinetist. He was nicknamed the King of Swing and was a clear innovator in both jazz and swing for years. When Hitler rose to power in January 1933, everything changed and that new and exciting music got increasingly banned. Around 1936, it was made compulsory for young people to belong to the Hitler's youth and to make sure no one else was part of other bodies, any other youth group was banned as well. But what was the problem specifically with the swing kids? Well, let's keep in mind that jazz and swing were born in North America. Not only that, but were a prerogative of African and Jewish Americans. And guess who didn't like them? The Nazis. But that didn't really discourage the swing kids because they kept meeting and dancing together, making fun of the Nazi rules. So instead of greeting each other using the Nazi saying Sieg Heil, they would change it to Swing Heil, 
Also, and I find this very, very cool, they would hang outside their clubs Nazi signs that said Swing Verboten, which meant Swing Prohibited, and change them into Swing Erbitten, Swing Requested. As we were saying, they used to meet up in swing clubs, or, well, better said, secret swing clubs. They were always packed, and even if it was dangerous, thousands of people would run to their nearest swing club and do the jitterbug, the classical swing dance that was very popular in the African-American communities in the US. In doing so, they were going against the strict rules forced by the Nazi government. Sometimes the Gestapo, aka the police, would shut down massive parties with thousands of people involved. And these dances were never intended to be political protest. The kids just wanted to dance. Dance to the Glenn Miller Orchestra, Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington. And when they weren't dancing, the Swing Jugend was meeting up to listen to those records smuggled from other countries and talk to each other using slang from England or North America. They didn't really have a coherent political ideology. They just knew they were craving cultural freedom that the socio-political climate of that day was strongly against. They wanted to be free and to be able to express themselves in an individualistic way. And that doesn't work well in a dictatorship, obviously. Individualism leads to disagreement and disagreement leads to revolution. And that's why the Nazi government didn't want anything alien interfering with their ideal of the new Third Reich Germany. And essentially, this didn't apply to music only, but to an entire set of values. And the situation gets incredibly complicated when in 1937-38, the government puts a complete ban on swing music and dancing, including private dance events. Everything eventually escalates when in 1939, Germany provokes World War II with the invasion of Poland. The swing kids needed now to operate with more secrecy. Even if their meetings didn't start as political protests, they became a safe place to forget about the war. Most of these people didn't want to enlist and their political views on the war were, well, very clear. One year, for Winston Churchill's birthday, they've been seen chanting, for he's a jolly good fellow. So, I mean, guess which side they were on. The Gestapo and the government knew that these kids were a threat and needed to be stopped. And this made their gatherings more and more dangerous. Your neighbors could have reported you if they caught you listening to the wrong music in 1941. And in that year, the Gestapo, encouraged by the head of the SS Himmler and the Minister of Propaganda Goebbels, is asked to suppress the Swing Jugend. It was August 1941 when three hundred swing kids were arrested during a raid. In January 1942, some of them were forced to join the Hitler Jugend and the others were sent to concentration camps. But the ones that had not been caught just continued to play, even if it meant hiding and using sticks to play their beloved music. It was worth it. World War II was one of the first ever conflicts in which civilians became a very important target. The Holocaust being evidence of that, obviously. And even if the adventure of the swing kids was so much smaller compared to what the Jews have been through, I really want to stop for one moment and just reflect on what freedom meant to them. I'm not a person that usually takes strong political stances in public. I definitely like to be quiet and I'm not gonna lie. 
staying silent when somebody else is fighting for me might feel comfortable sometimes and less risky but these kids these young people just wanted what we all want freedom being able to express ourselves wear whatever we want to wear and feel like we have infinite possibilities ahead of us though it might have been hard to feel positive in the past and indeed for many young people like me it is still a little tricky to keep a good mindset after what we've been through these past years the swing kids have definitely inspired me and made me feel that fighting for our dreams might always be risky but if we really want something we shouldn't let the world tell us that we don't deserve it and music as far as i'm concerned has always been the most exciting thing to fight with yes because even with the suppression of the swing kids that new music coming from a foreign land was just too good and in fact in Nazi Germany, everybody kind of realized that swing and jazz sold. Thank you very much. And that's how Charlie and his orchestra, a couple of years after the beginning of the war, make their appearance. If there's something we know about music and will be noticeable, especially with rock and roll, is that if people like it, it doesn't matter how much it's banned. Everyone will always find a way to listen to it. So swing was prohibited in Nazi Germany, but the underground scene was very active as we've seen. And this group definitely stood out. With singer Karl Schwedler, also known as Charlie. So Charlie and his orchestra basically became very famous very quickly, even in the highest spheres. And why, if everything was banned? Because they changed lyrics to jazz and swing songs to make them pro-Germany and used the traditional harpsichord in place of a piano to play boogie woogie. I'm not gonna lie, it's quite clever. Goebbels hires them and has the Ministry of Propaganda write their lyrics in English. Trying to stay loyal to the original American songs, the slight change in lyrics had to symbolize how great Germany was doing in the war and spread Nazi and anti-Semitic ideas and hatred towards the other countries. Charlie and his orchestra have been broadcasted not only in Germany, but especially in the UK and the United States. Apparently in Britain, the band used to go on the air every Wednesday and Saturday at 9pm on a radio program called Germany Calling, hosted by William Joyce. And the craziest thing is that after the war, a survey was conducted and many people in the UK listened to it and didn't even realise what they were listening to. And airways weren't the only means to spread the message. Physical records were even handed to war prisoners and sold in the occupied countries as well. So what do you think? Was it an insult to the real swing kids? Was it cultural appropriation? I mean, think whatever you want, but in my opinion, this is just another example of how big of a tool music can be. Even after the war, in, when in 1949 Germany was split in two, the side controlled by the USSR always made sure to ban all that music that would instigate rebellion. And as we know, people always manage to follow banned music one way or another. Because anytime someone tries to ban music, that creates a seed that grows into a revolution. That's the power of music. Well, that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Actually, if you want, there is a film. I've never seen it. It's a 1993 film. It's an American film and it's um, 
called Swing Kids. So maybe some of you have seen it. You can tell me if it's worth renting it. So yeah, let me know if you enjoyed the episode. Always make sure you follow me on Instagram at the Cat's Whisker Podcast and on TikTok at the Cat's Whisker if you want to see a lot of extra vintage content. I'll see you next week. Ciao!